I still got a message to preach, so all right. So it's a big Sunday. I, I warned you it was going to be a big Sunday. So with all that said, now I get to preach the Word of God. How about that? <laughs> all right. We're not, yeah, there's a lot to be done here today. I'm about to read Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Might be a familiar passage to many. The armor of God. In this, you are going to hear a whole bunch of times stand, stand firm, stand in the Lord, stand in his strength. So for all who are able, and if you're not able, that is fine. But for all who are able, I think it's appropriate to stand because <laughs> the word of God is going to tell us this many, many times over. I'm going to ask our team if they could flip through the slides for me because that just always makes it easier for me. Paul is coming to the end of his glorious letter to the church in Ephesus. He's covered two topics primarily. The first is our union in Jesus Christ. The mysterious union of the believer with Christ Jesus, our Savior and Lord, that our life is in him, our hope is in him, our faith is in him, our forever is in him. It's all in him. And in him we are united. We have unity as the body of Christ. With this in mind, he has been making reference to this spiritual battle in which we are all engaged. And I think of Paul literally in prison, literally, as he will say, in chains, perhaps pausing. How will I close this letter? And it's perhaps then, it would seem that it was then, that the Spirit impressed this image upon Paul perhaps as he looked on to a Roman guard to which he was literally chained. And the spirit brought to mind this armor of God that the believer is called to put on. So let me read these words for you, for us, from the spirit. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God, and pray. Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should, hallelujah and amen. You may be seated. That is God's word for us. Did you know that we got a new holiday this year? Anybody know the holiday? Juneteenth. 
I love it. I love a reason to celebrate. And Juneteenth is certainly something to celebrate. If you haven't been following the news, let me get you up to speed. Way back in 1863, Abraham Lincoln, then president, declared or made the Emancipation Proclamation, freeing all held captive in slavery. However, we know that when that proclamation went out, the slaves were not instantly freed. It took some two and a half years, not until June 1865, for troops to arrive in Galveston, Texas, and to set 250,000, more than a quarter of a million people, people made in the image of God, who were held in slavery, who were held in captivity to be set free. Hallelujah and amen, right? Freedom is a glorious thing to celebrate. Praise God for Juneteenth when the declaration, the proclamation, emancipation became reality for more than a quarter of a million people held in slavery. That is, in a sense, the image and the reality that we as believers and followers of Jesus Christ stand in. We have received emancipation because of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, took sin to the cross, the sin that he never committed, the sin that would have been so reprehensible to a perfect and holy Jesus Christ, fully God and fully human. He took that sin, he took it to the cross, he took it to the grave, and he rose to new life. He was victorious over that sin, amen? He was victorious over that grave. He declared freedom for the captives held in prison by the evil one. And yet we know that though this has already been accomplished, that there is victory over sin, there is victory over death, there is victory over Satan, there is victory over his forces of evil, there is victory for the believer, there is victory for all of us who call upon Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We know that while this is already, it has not yet been fully accomplished and applied to our lives until his return. We live between Emancipation Proclamation and Juneteenth. We live between resurrection and return, which means we live in this time between the declaration that we have, the promises given to us, but its final fulfillment and becoming the reality for all. It's also kind of like the victory that was received during World War II. In May, whenever Germany waved the white flag and gave complete surrender, but before it was made complete that following September with victory over Japan and the Pacific front there, we know and we've experienced, we've lived into these times between. And that is where the believer lives. And that is where Paul lands us as he lands his letter to the church in Ephesus. We have victory, we have union in Jesus Christ, we have unity in the body of Christ, we have all these promises given to us, but my friends, we're still in a spiritual battle. Did you know we're in a spiritual battle? Am I telling anybody anything new that there are struggles, that there are hardships, that there are trials, that there is wickedness, that there is evil, that there is sickness, 
that there is disease, that there is injustice, that there is the striving for righteousness, that there is still sin at work in our world. If you haven't put that together, talk to me after the service. I'll spell it out and try to make it a little bit more clear. We know and have experienced the spiritual battle in which we all live. And friends, let's be clear. It is a spiritual battle. We have a foe and the foe is not your neighbor. The foe is the evil one and his forces of darkness. Friends, the war isn't against your neighbor for whom Christ died, for whom God sent his only son, for whom we are to declare the good news of forgiveness of sins and life forever because of Jesus Christ. We do not battle against flesh and blood. We battle against the spiritual forces. So do not be fooled. Do not be deceived. Do not miss the high calling of the battle to which we are called to seek and to save those lost because of the spiritual warfare. I, 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 I just wanna make it abundantly clear. If you are a follower of the Christ, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have declared him savior and Lord, your citizenship now lies in the kingdom of God, which Jesus will bring to glorious fulfillment in his return and everything else falls under that if you are, I'm just, I'm getting, can I get real? Can I get preachy for a bit? If you are a Republican and good for you, the Democrat is not your enemy. If you're a Democrat, good, great for you. The Republican is not your enemy. If you're a libertarian, great for you. The rest of the world is not your enemy because I know a couple libertarians. Your neighbor is not your enemy. That coworker that drives you crazy is not your enemy. That person who has even deceived you, lied to you, conspired against you, schemed against you, undermined you, belittled you, hurt you, offended you, wounded you, still not your enemy. There's still an, an image bearer for whom Christ gave his life and who needs to know the freedom that comes with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of the life we have in him. Can I get an amen on that? That might be a hard one to get an amen on, but your neighbor is not your enemy. The enemy is your enemy. Satan is your enemy. The accuser is your enemy. The devil is your enemy. Never forget. Never forget how the lines of the battle have been drawn. I think about that uh, series, The Hunger Games. It's like the last series I read with my kids before my kids didn't want to read with me again, before they were forced to fight one another. Uh, whatever that main character's name was, she said, don't forget who the real enemy is. We might be put into the arena to fight things out. Don't forget who your real enemy is. C.S. Lewis perhaps explains this, brings this into our context, helps us to understand this uh, better than anyone else. C.S. Lewis lived through World War II. 
He experienced the nighttime air raids. He experienced the bombs being dropped. He walked through the rubble of bombed out buildings. He experienced the grief of losing people he knew and he loved that he worked alongside of. of. C.S. Lewis knew the hardship of war firsthand. And yet how much more powerful than that in the midst of that battle, he wrote a book called The Screw Tape Letters in which he highlights for us, do not forget who the real enemy is. And the real enemy in The Screw Tape Letters explains is the devil, is Satan, is this evil one. And C.S. Lewis in his preface and is setting out The Screw Tape Letters, which is wonderful by the way, and I would commend it to you. He says that the devil is going to be equally pleased with one of two positions. The first position is to be ignorant of or in denial of the reality of evil and the evil one and the work of the evil one in our world. Doesn't exist, not real, in ignorance, whatever, over there, just throw it all out. He is equally as pleased with the person who is obsessed with the evil one who is constantly in fear, worrying, dwelling upon the evil one. He said, it doesn't matter if you're a materialist or a magician. I love that. The evil one is equally pleased because then he can fool the person who is ignorant or he knows he's already holding captive the heart of the one who is obsessed. Lewis encouraged us not to be a materialist or a magician, but to walk the middle. Paul, in this final remarks to the church in Ephesus shows us how to walk the middle. Do not be ignorant of the schemes of the evil one, but understand that you have power and strength and victory in Jesus Christ. That's the message right there. I could say amen, but we got a few more things to say. Do not be deceived of the scheming of the evil one, but do not underestimate the power of the Lord at work in your life. My friends, my people, we have power in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray that you've experienced that power. I pray that you are walking in that power. I pray that you are growing in that power. I pray that Ruth and our elders and our deacons and every minister of the gospel here at Jesus Christ will know and live into and grow in the power of the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Oh, I pray, my people, that you will be strong. There is nothing wrong with power. There is nothing wrong with strength. We talked about this in our words to live by series. There is power, there is love, there is self-discipline and control. There is nothing wrong with the strength of God. Can I get an amen on that? I'm needing some feedback. I need to know you're with me here still, all right, friends? We want that strength of God. We need that strength of God. This isn't, you know, one of these like just counterintuitive, uh, you know, things. These are the deeper truths of the gospel. When we are weak, he is strong. When we are willing to lay down our lives and lose our lives, we'll find it in Jesus Christ. Like John said, I must decrease so that he must increase. These aren't just bumper sticker Christianity sayings. These are the deeper truths of the gospel that he is strong through us, his image bears, his sons and daughters, his church. Hallelujah and amen. But then he says, be strong in the Lord because the devil is scheming against you. I got to preach on this for just a little bit. You know that the devil is scheming against you. 
You ever been done wrong by somebody? You, you, can, you don't have to raise your hand because I don't know if you want to admit it. I, I, I don't think we get through life without having been done dirty by somebody. I think that's the way people say it now. I've been done dirty by somebody. It, it, somebody can cut you off in traffic. That's an, intimis, in, an, an innocent mistake. I can get over that pretty quick, you know? But when you know somebody is scheming against you, conspiring against you, putting time and thought and energy and creativity and how they can undermine, belittle, or even take you out. Ooh, that's a whole nother thing, right? That's what the devil is doing. The devil is scheming against you. I, I don't know how things always work out. I, I'm not always the kind of person who sees a, a demon behind every tree and every bad things that happen and like God's glorious blessing behind like, you know, every, every good, good thing. But maybe I should think about it more in those terms because sometimes it seems like, you know, like just when you're like simple things, I'm gonna go on a diet. Ice cream's gonna go on sale that week, you know? <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get in shape and you twist an ankle. Or maybe it's more serious or more weighty. I, I want to get in a right relationship with my kids and get serious about fathering or mothering or parenting them. And yet everything erupts into an argument. I want to get serious about making my marriage strong. Why did we just have a fight now? I feel like a hypocrite if I say I want to stop and pray with you. We get serious about serving God. Why does it feel like all of a sudden some trauma hits our life? We lose our job or we lose our health or an emergency happens in our family and all these things want to come and distract us. Maybe we need to understand that when we want to get serious about knowing, loving, and serving God and growing his mission and being his church out in the world, that there is someone scheming against you somebody that doesn't want you to get that job, somebody that doesn't want you to have that promotion, somebody that doesn't want you to get on the mission field to grow and to serve him, someone that doesn't want your marriage to be strengthened, someone that doesn't want your children to succeed. Maybe he's scheming more than we're aware. He's scheming against you. He's scheming against the church. I'm beginning to think more and more that the whole past year and a half has been a lot of scheming to undermine a lot of the work of the ministry of the gospel around the world. Because it's pretty hard to be the church, the ecclesia, the gathering when you're told not to gather. It's pretty hard to sing hymns and songs and spiritual praises when we're told to mask up. It's pretty hard to lay hands on in prayer when we're supposed to stay six feet apart. Maybe there's more scheming going on in our world than we always want to admit because we're in a spiritual battle. We're cra can, I, can we just admit how crazy we sound to the world sometimes? But maybe it's just crazy enough to be the absolute truth that the world needs to know that a giant scheme is unfolding that is trying to destroy the church of God. But praise be to God, 
we have victory in Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go right back to the beginning. We have resurrection. We have victory. We have the promised return. We live in this battle, and so we do battle. So between then and what is coming, or how did I say that? Between, yeah, back then and what is coming, the promise of his return, we need to suit up. We need to armor up. We need to get serious about this battle. Let me take a few minutes to run through the armor of God. It's been a big Sunday. I get it. I know. You with me yet? You need to stretch. You need to like do a little like, uh, 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 yeah, there you go. Stay with me, friends. We got to suit up. I want you to set these to memory. Oh, memorize seven things. That's nigh impossible. No, you can memorize seven things. I want you to memorize Seven things. I want you to take the next week and I want you to walk through this. I want you to visualize this, actually visualize this, maybe as you're getting dressed. I want you to think about putting on this armor of God and going out to do battle with the evil one and are experiencing victory and protection because of Jesus Christ and what we're about to do. Seven things that he talks about. The first thing that he says is that we put on the belt of truth. Can you, can you, can you just, just, my wife is shaking her head. She, I, I have to do it. I have to do it. I, I'm wearing a new belt buckle. The, the truth of this belt buckle is that I just finished the Breck Epic, a race 240 miles over 40,000 feet of climbing. I did it. And that is the truth. Okay, so, okay en enough of that. I won't ever bring it up again. No, I'll probably bring it up in sermon illustrations for the rest of my life. Um, it was an epic battle of the body and the will. And the truth of this buckle is that I finished it. Praise be to God. We put on the belt of truth. We center ourselves with the truth of God. We wrap our core with the truth of God. People are all into the core, right? It's all about core strength. The core needs to be strengthened. The core is our balance. We need to be balanced, strengthened. Gird up your loins with the truth of God. This is the invitation. Before anything else, I want to invite you this coming week to gird your loins, to wrap the center the center of your being, the balance point of your life with the truth of God. How do we do that? With the word of God. And this is something the preacher is saying just about every week. <laughs> but my people, my friends, gird your loins with the truth of God. Wrap it around yourself. Before you check your email, before you read the headlines, before you go to your to-do list, before anything else, except maybe make your coffee, that's pretty important in my life, but before anything else, get in the word of God. Just get into his truth. Get into his truth and wrap it around your life. Do that, and I am going to pray that this week, if you spend a little bit of time each morning in prayer, this is my prayer for you as your pastor, if you spend a little bit of time each morning in the word of God, I'm going to pray that God is going to give you an opportunity later in that day to use that word of God to encourage, to inspire, to correct, to just give that word that is needed 
to somebody in your life, a coworker, a spouse, a child, a loved one, a neighbor. I'm gonna pray that God will immediately use the truth of his word in your life and ministry to another people. But the only way it's gonna work is if you wrap yourself in that truth before anything else. Wrap yourself with a belt of truth. The second thing then that he says is put on the breastplate of righteousness. Why the breastplate of righteousness? Because this is the biggest target, right? I mean, if you're a soldier, if you're going into battle, like this is the bullseye, get the heart. So what do we do? We cover our heart. We cover our heart with the breastplate of righteousness. And what is the righteousness? The righteousness of Jesus Christ. Oh, when the day comes and we stand before God, do not stand on your own merit, your own accomplishments, your own strength, your own insight, your own wisdom, uh, your own resume. Uh, I finished the Breck Epic. God, you know, aren't you impressed? No. <laughs> stand in the righteousness offered to you as a gift through Jesus Christ. Just stand in him. This is what Paul spent most of his letter to the Ephesians trying to make clear to us. Just stand in union with Jesus Christ. Stand in his forgiveness. Stand in his resurrection. Stand in his righteousness. Just accept it as a gift, people. <laughs> Stand in his righteousness. Put on that righteousness before anything else. And then live rightly. You know, we stand in his righteousness, but then don't go and, you know, you know steal lollipops from babies and, and, and push, you know, people and walkers off the curb into the road. I mean, don't, don't live unrighteously. Stand in his righteousness, but then don't abuse his righteousness. Live rightly. Live rightly for God every day. Okay, this could go on forever. So I'm gonna start moving through it a little bit faster. We put on the belt of truth. We put on the breastplate of righteousness. And then this is the long one. We fit our feet for readiness with the gospel of peace. We fit our feet with this gospel, the gospel of peace so that we're ready to go into battle. There's a lot could be said about footwear. Um, the soldiers wore unique kind of footwear. They weren't just simple sandals. They were more like boots, the best that they could come up with. They were wrapped up around the ankle. They covered the toes. They had little spikes so that they could like hold their ground. They're really cool. You can nerd out on all that kind of stuff in Roman history. But here's the takeaway that I think I've talked about this before. It just strikes me. You can be big. You can be strong. You can be tough. You can, you know, bike a race. You can run a marathon. You can deadlift, you know, 300 pounds. But when you hit your toe on the corner of your bed, that little metal thing in that frame that you know the one I'm talking about, oh, the strongest man or woman is brought down to the ground in pain. They fit their feet so they wouldn't be taken out by even just these like little humble injuries. In the same sense, we want to fit our feet and be ready to move forward, protecting ourselves and striving ahead. Again, there's, there's, there's a lot that we could say about feet. The Bible says a lot about feet, but we'll just land on this. How beautiful, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Paul writes that to the church in Rome. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring, which that's like a contradiction in terms because feet are not beautiful. We all know that. How beautiful are the feet of those who are gonna bring the gospel of peace. And friends, 
We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Sometimes I have to remind myself of this because I've been following Christ so blessedly, so wonderfully for all of my life. But every once in a while, I have the privilege, even though my life is very much wrapped up in the church world, through evangelism, through outreach, through ministering to neighbors, there's a lot of people who don't have peace, right? There's a lot of people in our world who are living in turmoil, in anxiety, in fear, in confusion. There's a lot of people. I, I mean, I'll be honest. I just take peace for granted a lot of times. I got a great marriage. I got amazing kids. I got a wonderful church. I've got incredible opportunity. I've got a board who supports me to take a holiday to go ride a bike race. I mean, I've got like all this peace in my life. Praise be to God. There's a lot of people who don't know that peace. I hope God is bringing to mind somebody right now that you know knows nothing of peace, whom you can take your feet and go to and share that gospel of peace to let them know that it can be all right because of Jesus Christ. Okay, so we have the belt of truth. We have the breastplate of righteousness. We have our feet fitted with readiness with this gospel of peace. And then we have the shield of faith. And the shield of faith is to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Oh, I wanted to like preach on this one for like a half an hour. Oh, the evil one will send flaming arrows your way. Not just arrows. That would be scary enough. Flaming arrows. I mean, that is pretty intense. If somebody's standing in front of me with a bow and arrow, I'm going to be afraid. If all of a sudden they like light that arrow like a torch, I'm going to be double down afraid. That is the image Paul wants for us. Flaming arrows are coming at you, but you have the shield of faith. You have a shield of faith. When the evil one says you are not enough, remember the promises of God. Remember what Jesus says about you. You are my son, my daughter. You are one for whom I gave my life. I will never leave you or forsake you. You are a part of the family of God. I will not leave you as an orphan. I will not leave you with a spirit, spirit of timidity, but of power and love and self-control. You are enough. God has promised this. Stand in those promises and extinguish those flaming arrows that will come to undermine you and belittle you and will try to literally kill you. Stand in the promises of God. And one little illustration I have to bring up, the movie Gladiator. Everybody remember that movie Gladiator? I love that. Okay, one person, Mike in the back knows that movie. We're having movie night as a church here. I love that scene where the slaves are thrown into the arena. They're giving nothing but shields. And alone, they can't do much because they can only protect their one side. But Maximus was... It was Maximus, right? Wasn't it Maximus? Maximus, yeah. It was Maximus. He brings them together, and together they can shield every side, front, back, left, right, even over the top. Together with their shields, they were able to be protected from all dangers, all flaming arrows coming from all around. We need to stand in faith together as the body of Christ. Because I can only protect one side of me with my shield. But if I got a couple other brothers and sisters around me, we can be totally covered. Amen, friends? Be in the body of Christ to cover one another with that shield of faith. Like I said, you could go off on a lot of this stuff. Let me wrap it up. We put on the helmet of salvation. 
visualize this. I am saved by Jesus Christ. I have forever through him. Just walk with the protection of that helmet of salvation. Know that it guards you, protects you, will keep you from getting concussed. Put on that helmet of salvation. Let me wrap it up. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, many will reflect upon, and I invite you to reflect upon this in this coming week. The one weapon of offense is that sword of the spirit, the word of God. I already encourage you to belt up with the truth of God's word. Let me just offer you this. Is your sword like a butter knife <laughs> or is it like this awesome Roman broadsword? That is again going to depend on how much you're into the word of God. If you're only getting 40 minutes once a week from the pastor, that's probably more like a butter, light, butter knife. Thank you. Great to have you here. Honored to preach you the word of God. But we are invited as the people of God to all grow in his word, to store it up in our hearts, to be in that word. So grow your sword. Don't let it be that little butter knife. When you think, think about that each morning as you're having your English muffin and the nooks and crannies or whatever it is, you know, you know, is this all I have? A couple words of scripture? Or am I growing that sword of the spirit, that word of God every day? every day. And finally, prayer. Sometimes prayer isn't listed in it, but what's the old expression about being in battle? There are no atheists in foxholes. <laughs> when you are in battle, you suit up with prayer. And I'll just end it with that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us enough to reveal for us the reality of our world and the reality is that we are in a battle. And it's not against flesh and blood. It's not amongst families. It's not amongst friends. It's not amongst neighbors. It's not for those people who are different than us. It's not for those people who that we don't even like. It is against the evil one. Thank you, Jesus Christ, that you have secured victory for us in your resurrection. I pray that the day of your return and final freedom may be this day. And if not this day, tomorrow, if not tomorrow, the next, we pray, come, Lord Jesus, come and bring us the victory, the emancipation, the freedom that we all need to know now and forever through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And until then, help us to suit up. Help us to suit up. Let us suit up with a belt of truth. Help us to suit up with this breastplate of righteousness, with our feet fitted with this gospel of peace. Help us to take up this shield of faith, to put on this helmet of salvation, to take the sword of the spirit, your word, and to pray, 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 like Paul says, to pray for all people, to pray for all things, to pray for the opportunity to share your good news, to keep on praying ever and always. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to end with, today is the consecration Sunday for